Hello, and welcome to the Meta Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay the Boss Poss, and I am so excited to be the host of this podcast. Together, we're going to have conversations about what it's like to be a woman in the gaming industry. From struggle to success, we're covering it all. Join me and a whole range of amazing guests as we dive into conversations and explore what it means to be a woman in gaming. For our women listeners, we hope that you can find a way to connect with this material. And for our male listeners, we hope that you enjoy hearing a different perspective and are open to learning something new. So I'm so excited to introduce our very first guest. Uh, Many of you may be familiar with her work at Sugar Gamers, and if not, definitely go check it out. Keisha Howard, founder of Sugar Gamers and self-proclaimed geek of all trades, is joining us for today's episode. Keisha has been in the video game industry and an enthusiast since childhood, and after discovering that a considerable part of the industry's consumers' professional demographics were not represented, Keisha created Sugar Gamers. Began as a women's advocacy and networking group for consumers and professionals, but eventually blossomed into an organization that advocated for all demographics who were underrepresented or underserved by the gaming industry, such as minorities, people from the LGBTQ plus community, and more. I will note that we hope to follow the same model, so thank you, Keisha, for being the first (laughs) and inspiring me. Um, We are definitely starting with Women Gamers, as the aptly named Meta Woman podcast notes, but eventually we want to expand that conversation to talk about all kinds of different groups within the gaming industry. So Keisha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. And could you just start with a little background for the audience on what you do in your work in the gaming industry? Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I am so happy to still be having these conversations. And also, I'm surprised, right? It's been 12 years for me. I started this in 2009. And I'm just super stoked that it still has impact. But also, you know, it's still, um, you know, a lot of of, a lot of uh, things to do. There's a lot of work to be done. So uh, the work that I do consists of consulting, um, community management, Um, sort of a a lot of uh, research into emerging technologies, research and development in general, um, and things of that nature. So any anything about like how technology impacts people and brings them together are things that I am very interested in. And that's how I work with the different companies that I tend to work with. Gotcha. Can you share a little bit about Sugar Gamers specifically? I know there's three major projects on Sugar Gamers. I just really want the audience to have a chance to know how they can connect with all this good stuff you have going on. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, Sugar Gamers as a community, like we want to come full circle, right? So, you know, obviously we want to advocate for inclusivity in the gaming space because gaming is just such this, it's such a beautiful kind of uh industry to be in. I mean, yes, it has its challenges, but, you know, uh, play is how we develop, is how we connect, is how we escape, is how we relax, is how we learn, and so many other things that impact how we think and and how we, you know, sort of uh, communicate with one another. So some of the things that Sugar Gamers does, um, in the before times, we used to have a lot of in-person events. So it was interesting that gaming in person gave me a lot more insight to some of the challenges that people were having as gamers themselves, uh, some of the reasons why they felt isolated, and some things that you don't necessarily get to see uh, if you're only doing things online. Mm-hmm. Uh, since the, the pandemic, we've had to find other ways to connect, um, but we're slowly 
but surely getting back to uh, definitely like this humanity first uh, sort of in-person, um, you know, communication uh, safely and, and not, you know, in large groups, obviously, right. but we're, we're definitely, that's our, our, our authentic nature. So it's not huge, but like I know everyone, I've touched everyone, and we all try to, with that kind of camaraderie, we're constantly trying to support one another. So Sugar Gamers is where people go to begin their journey in gaming or to find support for their personal projects or to sort of recalibrate after feeling like they're not represented or um, their opportunities are missed when they try traditional routes in gaming. So uh, one of my uh, team members called it like the island of misfit kids that's super fun. Because like we're not tr a trendy group. Not, we don't have like millions of followers. We're not, you know, traditional content creators in that way. But we're always looking to do things differently and sort of expand our portfolio in different ways. Uh, one of those things are um, creating games ourselves. Uh, so we have a game called Project Violation, for example, and we're starting it from scratch, completely analog. So, cool. so right now, <laughs> yeah, right now it's a tabletop RPG. We all cosplayed as um, characters. I'm gonna hold on one second. Sorry about that. Uh, it's a tabletop RPG where we all cosplayed the characters that are represented in the game. Um, and we're solving problems of the future in this so sort of solar punk, cyberpunk world. And eventually, you know, what we want to do is make that into a video game. And by doing this process, we're understanding how to be a producer, how to be a narrative designer, how to be an art director, and all these components that go into making a video game. So that, you know, we're always having a conversation about the expanded opportunities that exist in this space. Because if you're just like online, you might not necessarily get to understand that pathway. But with Sugar Gamers, we're, we're definitely like, hey, you want to help out? You want to be a part of this? Like, let's go. Let's play. So uh, Project Violation is one of the things that we're working on. We're also working on uh, Sugar Gamers Labs which is a workforce pipeline solution, which I know uh, a lot of companies are, but by us sort of being in the communities that we're, represent, we're representing and advocating, we really sort of understand where some of the, the, the hiccups are, especially when hiring, right? So in the last several years, the video game company, um, the video game industry rather, has um, had two major issues. Um, the first one is obviously the industry hasn't always been inclusive and it, in addition to that, it's been toxic towards certain demographics yeah. and that is in <laughs> <And> understatement <laughs> right now, <laughs> right. And right now that's being, you know, sort of course corrected slowly, but surely, but it's a huge problem that is being tackled. Um, what is being less talked about is that during the pandemic, you know, the video game industry exploded and now all these video game companies are being taken seriously. There's all these jobs that are available, but the standard systems and procedures that you use to find talent just aren't going to work because this explosion happened almost overnight. Mm -hmm. So finding people to fill these roles has been exceptionally difficult because the industry not only has to over-index over on skill talent, but they have to also be you know, inclusive of all sorts of um, 
types of people, right? Mm -hmm. So like, how do you do that? And how do you do that in an authentic way? That's not pandering. That's not, you know, harmful to people. And that helps people break into the industry if they don't have traditional methods of having done, uh, having gained that experience. Like a lot of people are self-taught. A lot of people live in, in places that aren't like video game meccas. It's like, a lot of times when we're talking about video games, we're like, L.A., New York. Yeah. It often, you know, like. As someone these- representing D.C., I understand that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so you, you understand, like, it's like the Midwest and the South and, you know, sort of the middle of mid-America right. usually is is not represented. It's like if you're not in a major city, people forget about. The people that are in small towns and and that don't have access to going to downtown and seeing like a you know um, um, I don't know what companies to mention, but you know what I'm saying. Like if yeah, you're living in even, San Francisco, yeah, going to a land center or something. Yeah, there's not a lot of I get what you're saying. There's not a lot of touch points, I guess, for people to actually explore the gaming industry in a way that there's you know you could walk down the street and like spit and hit five of them. So in LA, so <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. Right. When I first traveled to San Francisco and I met so many people that worked in the gaming industry, I was just shocked. <laughs> I'm like, this, you guys so have this where y'all have been hiding. I see. <laughs> <laughs> like in Chicago, I still, you know, mm-hmm. after 12 years, I'm just like, yeah, I work in gaming. People are like, what? And I'm like, we still doing this? Okay. So um, back to the original statement of like sort of what we do is Essentially, we try to solve problems in really solution-oriented ways. Uh, So our model is create, not complain, and sort of, you know, writing ourselves in, telling our own stories, and finding pathways that work for different types of individuals. Because what works for someone like, you know, a ninja is not going to work for somebody, you know, else. Um, And those sorts of pathways are now so oversaturated, they no longer work in the way that they used to. So we have to constantly push forward and sort of think of new ways to incorporate different types of people in the industry. So that brings us to our third thing, which is consulting. Mm -hmm. So uh, we consult different companies on how to authentically reach the communities that they haven't been able to. Because another thing about location is if you grow up in a place where you know everybody's homogenous and you go to school with people you know you're going to be most comfortable with that so how do you sort of expand knowing different people and it's out of your comfort zone and it's awkward and how do people in big companies who have to make return on their investment have an authentic approach to developing their talent and helping them break into the industry so yeah so we make games we find um workforce uh, solutions for for different companies, and we consult on how to be more inclusive and just inclusivity strategies in general. And then we play games. <laughs> so, the most fun know, part, I'd say. But no, actually, all of it's kind of fun. I mean, there's a lot of different threads to pull on here. Um, one thing I'd love to hear from you, and something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, is there there is a, a tendency for companies to higher on uh, people in minority groups or have minority status. And then sort of once they're there, it's like, okay, the job's done. Now we don't like, we did the thing. We got the press. Now we don't need to, to use their voice as much as it would be helpful to.
Everything okay? Yeah. Sorry about that. Okay. No All problem. Right. I recognize that. But yeah. Okay. So okay. just to go back real quick. So one thing that I find is that companies will hire people and they'll say, you know, we want to bring a fresh perspective. We want to bring change. And then they bring in that fresh perspective. They bring in that change. And they're like, mm, I just wanted to do the hire and have it look good on paper. And now that you're here, I'm not so into hearing this voice. So for people who are getting into the pipeline, and I, I like that there, this is about, this is all a balancing act, right? Because I like that you're, what was it? Progress, not complaints? Uh, create, not complaints. Create, not complaint. There it is. I couldn't quite remember. I like that attitude on the, on sort of, I guess, the flip side of that. How do you encourage people who are stuck in positions where they're not empowered to speak up? What, what advice or what strategies can you give to people who, who may have been, I don't know, just kind of stuck in a, in a tough spot where they're not necessarily being listened to in the way that you would hope. Um, and that's difficult, right? Um, because at some point when you feel like you don't have a voice, you, you get very discouraged and you believe that, that you're alone. Um, and that's the biggest issue there. It's like this belief that no one else can quite understand, um, a specific challenge and why you remain quiet or what you're risking. And even if a person isn't sort of this extroverted character that's gonna be tweeting and all this other stuff, I think it's so important to find others that have the same challenges because mm-hmm. number you're just not alone and it's more power in numbers, number one. Right. And there are so many people advocating for change in certain areas that if you're not speaking up, support the people that do. And this is difficult, right? Because gaming is all about fun and it should be, it should be a fun place until someone gets hurt. So I think right now is a time where when people say that they want to see change or they believe that things should be different then your time, your money, and your energy should go towards that in some way. Even if you're not representing it, then there should be some sort of tangible thing that you do toward the change that you want to see. So a lot of us, I believe, um, especially with social media, it's really easy to get discouraged because you're reading all these things on social media, you're feeling your very personal experience that you're not potentially sharing with others, and then you feel like helpless and alone and but we're still like supporting people who aren't also putting time money and effort toward those changes that you want to see so it's like you can't like say that feel alone and then support you what you that what just entertains you 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 we have to do the work and and really you know put effort toward making sure that we contribute to something that we believe is good like an example is it's like oh you know um I, you know, I, if I if I could compare it to like something different, is uh, people who just don't have a full circle approach to sustainability, like oh, you know, global warming, but they're a litterer, right? And it's like no one understands how I feel about global warming, but they're not doing anything intentional to do their part to mm-hmm. be a part of the solution. So I don't know if that makes sense. But, it does. That know. was the exact example I was going to use as someone who. You know, there's all these things about climate doom and this that's sort of a topic for another day. But I will say, 
I think I just bought a sweatshirt from Target for the first time in, gosh, two or three years, just because I've always been, you know, small business, organic cotton, this, that. And I was just in Target picking up something else that couldn't be bought in small businesses. And I bought this sweatshirt and I, I called a friend afterwards and I was like, it just gets so tiring to never participate in the modern economy, <laughs> right? <laughs> But I think it's okay to give yourself grace. I, I don't have any regrets. And I know I take it to to an extreme that is not feasible for a lot of people on a lot of budgets. And I'm extremely fortunate to have the privilege to do things like always buy organic cotton sweatshirts. Um, but it was nice in that moment just to be like, oh, this is what it's like. <laughs> Uh, and, and I think it's important, like you said, to not only give yourself grace, but understand that we're constantly being bombarded with messages that we're we have to that we're going to be conflicted by, right? You know, um, and oh, yeah. not to go deviate too much into that, but it's like it once you start building those habits, you you do feel uh, fulfillment in being more connected to yourself um, because. I think that a lot of, you know, sort of consumer marketing, mm -hmm. influencer marketing kind of makes us feel like, oh, man, we lack something when we're actually very abundant and very powerful. Yes, um, so, I love that. You know, but yeah, you know, if you, you feel like you don't have a voice, you do. And other people feel similarly. Mm -hmm. And you just got to put a little bit of effort into the power of numbers and uh, yeah, time, money and resources is, is definitely where it's at. Yes, I completely agree with that. And I love, I love that as a thread. Could you just speak a little bit more about what Sugar Gamers Lab is doing in order to help people get ready and get into the workforce in gaming? Right. Um, so I think right now, like we're, we're over indexing on uh, in, in our media on certain topics like content creator and esports and pro gaming and, you know, the cryptocurrencies and the metaverse and nfts and you know like mm -hmm. things of that nature what's phase clan doing what's these these groups of, of, of people doing and it's great it's very exciting that these things exist and we live in very exciting times as gamers because like finally if you've been a gamer for a while for it to be taken seriously for it to be so yeah. lucrative seeing these things is exciting However, that's just like the tip of the, you know, those memes where you have the tip of the iceberg oh, above yeah. the water and then below the water, there's a whole like mountain. Um, that's where I am. I'm like below <laughs> the tip of the iceberg as far as like what our public discourse is. So like on the one hand, it's like there are a lot of perks to being visible and having vanity metrics and having a million, you know, Twitch subscribers and you know, a million Instagram followers, and that's great, but that doesn't represent all of us as gamers. Gamers is the largest and most diverse consumer market that exists, I believe. Mm -hmm. I might be wrong, but I believe it's If that. not, it's at least in the top two or three, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Like, uh, people would ask me, why don't you stream? And I know that for branding purposes, that it probably would be super smart of me to stream. I would probably, you know, do all right. But it's inauthentic to how I play games. I play games crusty, Lindsay. I play games 
Yeah. Tell me about that. I want to hear about it. Because we both put on our nice little floral tops today. Yeah. <laughs> this is not the norm. <laughs> I got a sheet that got cat fur on it. Maybe some Dorito crumbs. I have like a beer. And I'm just like, finally, a moment to myself to escape into a world. And, you know, like maybe it's Zelda Breath of the Wild. Like, mm-hmm. I love that game and just escaping and not talking to anybody, but just saving the world and and just for a minute, not having to be myself, worrying about a job, worrying about, you know, the way that I communicate on a day to day. And so like, even though streaming is cool to me, it's inauthentic to the way that I game because I'm an introvert gamer, like I'm just an introvert gamer. And like, even though I want to be everywhere, that's not necessarily the appeal to a person like me. But like I said earlier to earlier questions, like there's more than one person like me. And those people typically hold different jobs in gaming. They own esports teams, maybe. Like you don't know who they are necessarily. They uh, are narrative designers. They're audio programmers. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, character designers. They're animators. They're storyboarders. They're, They're doing all these other things that aren't put on a pedestal. You know, like I meet people that have just astounding godlike talent and we don't know who they are because mm-hmm. their time instead of like doing marketing and self-promotion is spent on what they love that what their craft is which is maybe art or programming coding engineering you know the back end stuff that we enjoy as gamers but we don't think about it right we don't think about how games are developed we think about our own sort of experience playing them and the people that we're friends with or have parasocial yeah. relationships with who we watch streaming, so on and so forth. As so the, the industry. Hmm? That's just so true. I, yeah. I mean, with any product, it's like you don't think about, you don't think much about who, who really made it. But yeah, I, I, I don't know that I feel like that's any better or worse in gaming, but it is different because people are so connected with the content when they're playing it or when they're watching it. And then there's like this complete disconnect between like who made it and what life is like for that person. Not complete. Yeah. I wouldn't say complete disconnect because that's totally putting down a lot of people who do pay attention to that. But in my own experience and anecdotally, it's like I'm not, I not. I don't sit back and think about the, all the little pieces that go into it. Yeah, and there's so many little pieces. And uh, that's where Sugar Gamers Labs comes in. Um, what our goal is, is to like sort of humanize that, like humanize all the things that you don't see. That's not going to get the vanity metrics. That's not Mm going to be the super entertaining thing. But also if we tell those stories and you, you get to hear those stories from the people that bring you your entertainment, that develop it, that create it, then it also expands how people think about their opportunities in the space. Because, you know, again, being a content creator or pro gamer is very lofty to, to, right. to become successful, right? But, like, you know, being a back-end engineer, like, that's very possible and very lucrative. Um, being a, you know, narrative designer, that is very, you know, much a career that mm-hmm. can, can, can be gotten and you can work in games. And it could be fulfilling and it could be fun and you could still be in the space and I just want to humanize and highlight those individuals a lot more um, so we can expand the conversation 
-hmm. instead of constantly just sort of giving all the limelight to our, our favorite sort of content creators, which is great. Like, I right. just think there's room yeah. for more. I like um, that. I'm not yeah. in any way thinking that what's happening is bad. I just room for more, room for more expansion. And with that expansion comes messaging about more opportunities. So now people sort of understand what they need to do within their personality or within their, you know, sort of tool set, mm -hmm. what they need to learn. A lot of these things on game development are free. Like you can download Unreal if you have a gaming PC and learn how to develop in Unreal and it's free. It's It takes time, it takes effort, but a lot of the things that create the games that we think are amazing are things that we can do at home with the you know dedication and commitment to what it is that we wanna learn. And I, I just want that to be just as sexy and exciting and accessible as yeah. making partner, uh, making affiliate on Twitch. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So I like the idea of that. Well, especially one of the themes that I've been coming back to as I've started thinking about this podcast, too, is imposter syndrome. And for me, I felt this. I went to a very technical university. Um, I went to one where engineering and computer science were heavily focused on. And that's not a bad thing at all. But I was in the I, I graduated with the degree in behavioral economics and was more on the decision sciences side of things, kind of psych, kind of econ. And it, I didn't always feel like I had the same opportunities as my peers. And I've come to find out that's just absolutely not true. Um, and so I think that this idea that you have to be, you know, a high level software engineer to make it is just not true. And that's something that I've actually grappled with getting onto the job market and stuff. And I don't think that the job market does a great job of uh, encouraging people who are not software engineers, but that's a whole separate issue. Um, but how do you how do you think about that and the work that you put out and stuff? And how do you think about like this accessibility portion of like, you know, I know that not everybody can do everything, but I do think that people when given confidence can do more than they think they can do. Um, and so how does that kind of play into what you're creating and how how you think about these tools that you put out there? Well, I mean, basically, for me personally, I don't, I don't, I don't know if this will resonate with um, other people. Uh, I invest in people, so my return on investment is people. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going into this and you're just like, "Oh man, I want to work in gaming," and one of the most highly competitive industries that there is, regardless of the problems that there are, like it's basically like working in Hollywood, right? You want to work on Star Wars? You think that everybody doesn't want to work on Star Wars? You're going to have to be excellent and you're going to have to stand out. And that effort is just going to have to be put into your, your, your approach to that regardless, right? Um, it, with that being said, uh, I feel like a lot of people sort of overemphasize um, validation through money or validation through big companies or validation through this sort of success metric that is going to lend itself to a lot of rejection along the way, especially if you come from a demographic that doesn't have those tools sort of integrated into your community. Right. Um, so it, it your reason, your purpose for wanting to pursue whatever you want to pursue should reside in um, that you want to do it, like regardless of, you know, money, 
um, it's, it's a feast or famine sort of approach to it. But like, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I wanted to make sure that the community that I came from, like I represented that uh, in an authentic way. So I'm from the South side of Chicago and, you know, I am, you know, I grew up in like the nineties, uh, early two thousands. So the discourse that we're having right now is not something that was available to me at all. Like it didn't even, no one told me I could, couldn't work in games. It's not like there was like some dude at the door of the gaming, like no women allowed, like none of that happened. But also there was no representation of women or people of color. There was no education, you know, uh, pathways to in the school that I was in at the time or in the college that I went to later. So like I made it past my whole adolescence, all my formative years and after college, never having the discourse that we're having today that is available for everyone that we can't get away from right now. Um, with that being said, it's important to know like how you're going to sort of navigate this space. And if you're not ready for the rejection, if you're not ready for trial and error, if you're not ready for the failure at times, then this is going to be a very difficult thing. This is not a easy industry to just show up and it's easy. And, you know, again, the way our media works, we see all these young, beautiful people that are just adored by the masses with their hundreds of thousands, if not millions of likes and followers and their new clothes and jackets representing <laughs> the, the companies and brands that love them so much. Like, if you think that that is easy, number one, <laughs> you are mistaken, but it looks effortlessly. It looks effortless. It looks like, oh man, it's just a hundred percent fun every step of the way. No. I mean, can I use profanity yeah. here? This shit hard. <laughs> Did you hear the claps? This shit is hard. It is challenging. And I don't know who it's easy for, but most of the people that I've spoken to, it is not an easy, it's not an easy path, but it's worthwhile. It's, it's something if you have a lot of passion, dedication, commitment, and resilience, like you're going to be successful, but it takes those key components. And anybody who's a gamer, I feel like inherently should have these yeah. components. You can try the same thing play, over and over and over. Smash your keyboard a thousand times. Yeah. <laughs> I exactly. Yeah. So like, you're not used to losing. But it's worth it in the end because you, you get to, to where you're going, you, you, you level up, and yes, it is, it, there are times that it's discouraging. There are times that it's freaking unfair. It's very unfair um, for different types of people, for different reasons, you know? Um, so there's, there's a lot to it, but yes, uh, I think that with Sugar Gamers Labs, we are just going to expand ways that we can navigate it so people aren't sort of just thinking that there's only these four ways, five ways to be in gaming when there's so many more. And there's ways that you can be very successful and have great paying careers. It's just not as visible. Yeah. Well, I like that. That kind of goes hand in hand with what you talked about earlier with um, like finding a community or finding a support system where you feel comfortable. Cause you're right. The reality is it's not going to be easy. There's definitely going to be people that detract and that make it harder. You're going to deal with crappy bosses. Like everyone does, you know, it's going to be tough. 
Um, so it's important. I, I do think that goes hand in hand with, you know, finding the right communities, finding the right support system, figuring out your own way and your own, your own path to that comfort, but like continuing to still take steps forward. Like you can't get discouraged. You can just say like, okay, you know, done with this job or, or I'm going to look for something else because of this, or I'm going to find a lateral transfer something like, I, I think that those go hand in hand. Like, it's very easy to to get down when things are hard um and it's okay to feel sad but it's not okay to like stand still and just wallow you gotta keep continue <laughs> tiny steps big steps yeah, whatever the steps are like just keep going <laughs> yeah and with grace and you know like it was like it's important to know the difference between failing and feeling like a failure you know it's we don't need to feel like a failure, you know, gaming is, it should be a fun sort of career path. And, um, but yeah, there, there are challenges. Sometimes you got to find unorthodox approaches to level up. You have to be creative. You have to stand out. You have to find, you know, a, a very specific flavor of, of how you do this. Um, and it, it's just where it's at, like on the one hand, like, yeah, you know, as a woman and as a person of color, there have been things that have been unfair and difficult, but if I would have let that stop me, I wouldn't, you know, be here mm -hmm. with some of the successes that I have had. Um, so, but, you know, people only, you know, I, I do it. We all do it. We put our highlight reel on social media, but, you know, this did not come without sacrifice. So, and I'm not saying that everybody should, but it definitely seems to be prevalent in, in this journey. So, you know, if you're shying away from it, if you're shying away from that hardship, this might not be for you to pursue. But I'm hoping, again, with the, the approach that we're taking, that we can pinpoint other ways yeah. that are less um, scrutinized. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, hey, I, I look at my portfolio, mm -hmm. look at all these characters I created, look at my code, look at, you know, and then it kind of moves past it because your work speaks for itself. Yeah, I think that's a great a yeah. great point. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit because I want to get back to what something that you said in the very beginning. You said when you talked about how you incorporate play into into sugar gamers and what you do, and that actually reminded me. I funnily enough in grad school had to write a final essay on what play meant to me, which is the exact opposite of anything involving play. Writing an essay about it. Um, but I would love to hear, because you, you, you cover a lot of stuff in Sugar Gamers. It's so fun. You cover a lot of anime and cosplay and, like, all kinds of different things. And I know you talked about the, the Bitcoin and crypto and NFTs and designing games. But what about the fun stuff? Tell me about that. Um, I mean, to me, all you know, it's all a little fun. Um, I guess the way I talk about it, it's like Sugar Gamers is like that mandatory training that you got to take before you get into the game. But like once you get into it, it's freaking fun, right? You can't just pick up a game all the time, just know how to play it. Um, so we have, you know, that 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 banter. And and then on top of that, play for me, um, it 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 means like really connecting and interacting with people with the common interest and we can just have banter like this super fun comp comp competition like one of our, my, our members his name is chris mcclure like he's always ragging on me but because i know him in person it's playful it's like oh you're not gonna do this uh you know like and it's it's nice when it's not harmful and you have that extra connection of 
humanity, you know, <laughs> uh, which is slower process. It's, it's a slower process to develop and maintain these human relationships. But then I have like all these people to play with, you know, like think about matchmaking in a game, right? And you're just like, oh, I hope a matchmate, yeah, I got a good mm-hmm. team. Well, you know, there's another way to matchmake, which is when you meet people, you maintain those relationships. You put energy and effort into, like, really knowing a person, the back and forth, the sharing. To me, that's fun because it's like building something together. It's like having blocks and it's like, oh, you got this block. You can put it here. And now we have this whole, you know, castle or something like that. But I think it's really fun to, to play with other people. I think it's really fun to, like just be active, you know, um, in ways that feel human. Mm-hmm. Um, so as much as like, we're, we're talking about all these things, like, oh, we're going to live, live in these virtual worlds. Um, I'm hoping that if that does happen, when we take the headset off, when we put the controller down, it translates to a positive behavior in which we're playful with one another in a way that's positive and enriching instead of like toxic and harmful. <laughs> what so, an idea. <laughs> um, yeah. That's so natural. It's just like, it, it, it's so funny how when things evolve and over time, how that message gets lost. And I think as people, I mean, you know, we've been through a pandemic. It's been a really rough year. I would just love for everyone to be able to sit down and pop on a headset and like, remember what it's like. <laughs> to form connections and build things together. Yeah, I mean, and and that was, you know, the reason why I'm just like, oh, let's play together. It's, It's so fun is because like before Twitch, you know, which is when I was a gamer, before all these things, you know, sort of became part of our public discourse, you know, play meant just, hey, you like this game? I like this game too. Let's play it together uh-huh. like that's so cool right and the the reason you play together wasn't to get metrics on twitch it wasn't to like showcase who your cool friends are it wasn't to make money it wasn't these all these external things that we have put on top of gaming it was like man i just get to play games with my friends like oh, yeah. that? like i, I mean, we did the- it like in middle school we had calculators you know it's like what games can we put in our calculators? You had the little cord. Do you remember that? You had the little cord that connected them. <laughs> oh man, you taking it yeah. back. Yeah, right. it was fun. And, like, also, I'm still to this day a fan of couch co-op. I like love playing Rocket League mm-hmm. couch co-op with split screen, which probably makes no sense when you could just play online. But like, I like you know pushing people and be like I don't care if you won you know like there's that humanity I don't know how it's going to translate in the virtual space or the digital space but I want to explore that and I want to maintain the play part before we over index on the return on investment monetarily you know how many well how many viewers do we have did we get any biddies? Did anybody subscribe? You know what I'm saying? It's like, something. remember when we just played the game? I know. <laughs> well, it's funny to see, along that line, it's funny to see, and I felt this in the discussions in board games. And it's like, oh, like, we can do an activity that's not watching TV, and, like, we can be competitive and have fun and all that. And it's like, yeah, now we just, like, now board games have gotten that idea. How do we move that onto gaming? You yes, know? yes. <laughs> Yeah, but, you, you know, I just, I feel like it's so healthy, or so much more healthier to start there 
then to start in that competitive element where you're constantly looking at metrics, you're constantly looking at numbers, you're constantly looking at money. And that's fun too, to some people, but that, like I said, there's so many different types of gamers. Some gamers like stories, some gamers like art, some gamers like music, some gamers like, you know, playing together, but like really, you know, fun games like Mario Party or, 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 you know, things of that nature. (laughs) Anytime you want to play Mario Mario Party, Party. (laughs) all right, um, but you, you get what I'm saying. It's, it's, I don't want to lose that magical part about like what bought me to gaming and, and doing the work that I do. I just know how transformative it is when you have friends and you can sit down and connect with them in a playful way instead of like also connecting it to, you know, your career opportunities, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's like we, to, to, to like kind of foundationally be like, oh, I would do this for free. And, you know, for years, I did Sugar Gamers for free. Like, I didn't make a lot of money with the company. Um, There was not a lot of revenue coming in. I usually had, like, one or two jobs while navigating Sugar Gamers. And it was brutal. Um, But the reason I did it was because it's like, oh, man, all the cool women I got to connect with, all the cool people, the, 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 the community is really nice, especially in person. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping we can get back to that. <laughs> I, I know, which is, again, why I wanted to really learn, you know, like uh, last year I went to the Unreal Fellowship and learned how to sort of use the Unreal Engine and, you know, I'm learning different elements of game development in general. I am working with a, a, a game development company now and, you know, I... It, the game development part of it is is really cool too because now you're creating something that you see puts a smile on people's face and you know people are super excited to to be a part of it and that's really cool too to like create something that people love is really nice uh, it has a very good feeling um so which i understand is also kind of measurable with metrics but kind of not the same as like oh, I'm yeah of measuring like there is this tendency I think for sure to want to measure sentiment and want to measure feeling and I understand that tendency because it's like on the on the other end it's not just about ROI when you're trying to measure sentiment right you're trying to to feel for yourself why you're in an organization why you're in a company why you're pursuing a campaign whatever it may be measuring sentiment can feel really good and can give you good direction but it also you know it just not everything is quantitative and not all of it is even qualitative. Sometimes you just do stuff just because you should (laughs) and just because it makes you feel good and that's it. And I I like this idea of kind of getting back to that. And we obviously can't make 100% of the world run on sentiment. I'm fully aware of that. But adding just like a little dose of, oh, I don't know, this feels good and it's a good idea because it feels good would be nice. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because you're right, you know, um, these sorts of things can't, you know, you just can't stamp a number on it. Like, who judges that, you know? Um, And then as soon as we do that, it seems like it's so hackable. It's so, like, you know, you can manipulate it in ways that aren't authentic. So some of it is, like, just, you know, we have to, to bank on some intuition. We have to bank on some of our personal feelings about some of the the matters and examine it and deconstruct Mm -hmm. it not necessarily go out and and think that whatever makes you uncomfortable is wrong 
but examine why you feel that way and then put your time, money, and resources behind creating something that does feel good. Um, so yeah, that's where we are. And you know, it's, 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 it's exciting times, you know, oh, it is. All right. I am going to quickly summarize and then ask my last question, which is something that I want to do on every show, but just as a quick summary for our listeners, Keisha wants to remind you to create and not complain, which I love. Use your dollars, your effort, your voice to send a message. And if you feel like you're alone, you're not. Find a group that supports you. Uh, your purpose in hunting a job or finding a career or any of that should be that you want to do it. You've got to be ready for rejection. You've got to be ready for trial and error and difficulties. But you got to push through. And as she eloquently said, and I agree with, this shit is hard. And it is hard. But it's important to know the difference between failing and feeling like a failure, which is really key. And the last thing I want to remind everyone is that doing stuff for fun is super okay. And in fact, you can do anything you want for fun and you can make friends along the way, which is just a beautiful reminder for all of us. Okay. So my last question, not that we stuck to any of my questions or scripts, which is completely fine. Um, and this is something for everyone that I want to ask at the end of every one of these podcasts. And I just want to uh, hear a moment of reflection from you. So what is one thing you would like to tell your younger self about getting into the gaming industry and being successful? Oh, man. Um, I probably would tell my younger self, uh, take her by the shoulders and shake her, right? And, and, and tell her, like, dude, why are you waiting for someone to tell you what to do? Why are you waiting for someone to validate your work? Just do it. You know, like, in, it, it wasn't completely my fault. Like, I tell my younger self, it's not your fault. You know, you were told to go to school so teachers can give you an A. Mm -hmm. You were told to get a good job so your boss can tell you you did a good job so, so you're, you can make money. But but really, you know, what is it that I wanted? What did I want to do? What did you want to do? You know, and if I would have just known that I could have been doing what I'm doing now when I was younger, I would have been... A different person I would have had a different trajectory in life um, so I don't regret how everything turned out but if I did have it all do to, to do over again I wonder how it would have felt to have the confidence in myself to have self-validation mm -hmm. as a foundation for my actions instead of like constantly looking for uh, external Praise, yep. external acceptance, external, like, oh, can someone like me? Can someone tell me I'm doing a good job? Can someone, mm -hmm. you know, do something to, to, to let me know I'm going in the right direction instead of, like, kind of looking a little bit more inward and feeling if I am content with where I'm going. Do I like this even? And there have been, you know, and sometimes we don't know right. unless we have trial and error. Um, but, yeah, I wish I would have just not been so I, I i emphasized external validation a lot and after i figured out i didn't have to do that that's when my life changed oh what a great note to end on i love that yeah self-validation you don't need anybody else <laughs> I mean, it, it, like, no, just start yeah. there. You definitely do need I'm being hyperbolic on purpose. I think, I think if women swung in the direction of like over being overly self-validated, it would be a good thing. So I think we're starting from the extremely external, and uh, I want to swing it all the way to the other direction, and then maybe we can go to the middle. <laughs> 
<laughs> it'll just even yeah, out a, a little, little bit. Over time, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I like that idea of internal confidence. And that's something that I completely agree with you. And you said very well. And definitely something I wish I could have shared with my younger self. So thank you so much for all of this. And thank you for coming on. I can't wait to have you back. This was so fun. Yeah. Woo woo. We'll coordinate our outfits. Lindsay, the bomb pass. <laughs> And yeah, we'll coordinate our outfits for next time too. Long sleeve florals, always in season. But thank you so much, and I look forward to having you again. Thank you so. Much. I I can't wait for our next conversation. What is it going to be? Oh about? gosh, you need to give me some time to plan. <laughs> Although I still have a bunch of notes on this episode, I guess. <laughs> Gaming in outer space. I would very much like to cover that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when the world melts yeah. and you're gaming on yeah. your spaceship yeah. basically anyway. yeah um to all of our listeners thanks so much and we hope you'll tune in again next week